Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. I just want to say 2020 sucks, okay? Hello, how you doing? It's uh, August 27th of 2020 sucks. Excuse my vulgarity. Um, it's it's covering up my terror. <laughs> I just I really am getting frightened. I am about where we're heading. I am um, into a into something I think we maybe can't even imagine. And I'm sorry to be the bearer of such awful news. Or that's just my opinion, of course. But my God, <clears throat> if you watch the Republican convention, which I did not do last night, did not, <clears throat> uh, gave myself the night off, thank God, but then I subject myself to reading about it. Uh, these people are terrifying. They are just bald-faced liars. And since they have nothing to offer, no program other than, than such a lust for power, they're left with denigrating the rest of us and stoking fear in as many Americans as they can in hopes that they will, in their fear, fall for the rhetoric that somehow the Republicans will make them safe. But here's the thing about that. And when I spoke yesterday about cognitive dissonance, this is, this is anyone who has a, a, a brain that is capable of, of function, <laughs> that knows what words mean, that values reality and facts. How can you, how can you parse, how can you, how can you even comprehend a party that tells you that America is a hellhole, that it has devolved under Democrat mayors into chaos that people, as the governor of South Dakota said, are people who can, are fleeing the cities, leaving only, I guess, poor people and commies, protesters, gays, all manner of, I 
don't even know what word to say. Anything I say is just going to be, here's the thing. Here's what doesn't make any sense. Who has been in charge of this country for four years? Who? That is correct. The Republicans. They have been in total control of this country. And their whole shtick now for four more years is that only they can save the country from what it's become under them. Are they aware they are the incumbent party in every way? And so if the America that they paint this dark, dark picture of, this dystopian hellhole of carnage and murder, it's their watch. They have had the power for four years. And where do we find ourselves? In a hell hole of 2020. And they're telling people that if you want things to change, you got to vote for them again. This is cognitive dissonance if your head is working. They paint this picture of such horror in this nation. But they're the ones in charge. They say that if you put them in power, (laughs) they'll take care of it. I got news for him. Hello, you are in power. You have been in power. You have extraordinary power. You even have powers you're not supposed to have because you take whatever you can get. You pay no attention to the rules, to the Constitution, to the norms. You're the ones who've been in power. You're the ones who have totally screwed up this country's response to this pandemic, a pandemic that has attacked every nation on earth, and yet every nation on earth is not suffering like we are. This is American exceptionalism when Republicans rule. Yes, we are exceptional, but not in the way, of course, that we used to think of that term. So they tell Americans, you are not safe. You are not safe. This whole thing about trying to scare suburban women into voting for him. You are not safe. But they're the ones in charge. If people are not safe, then 
I think you might want to try somebody else in charge. So for them to say, you are not safe, be afraid, be very afraid. If Joe Biden becomes president, God knows what carnage will occur. Well, I'll tell you, the carnage that's occurring right now. I, I am so frightened by the gullibility, the stupidity, the inability of so many Americans to see the, the absurdity of the Republicans' argument for four more years. As if they have not been in power. It's an uncomfortable reality. The country's a mess, and they've been in charge of it for four years. So, I... frightening. And then Pence, I read, let me find the quote, because it is unbelievable. Uh, Pence got up there last night. Um, and said this, let me get it here. Let me be clear. The violence must stop. Too many heroes have died defending our freedoms to see Americans strike each other down. We will have law and order on the streets of America. (laughs) Well, okay, so you're in charge. And then he says this, and this is where they rely on your ignorance. People like Dave Patrick Underwood, an officer of the Department of Homeland Security's Federal Protective Service who was shot and killed during the riots in Oakland, California. We are joined tonight by his sister, Angela. Angela, we grieve for your family and are grateful for his service. And America will never forget Dave and his service and sacrifice to this nation. Fine. Here's the problem. He's suggesting he doesn't get to the reality that Dave who we're never supposed to forget, who was shot and killed in Oakland, was murdered by a white nationalist. 
was murdered by someone who is a Trumpian. Was murdered by an alt-right boogaloo, God help us, member. You tell me how many people hearing the vice president's words didn't immediately assume that this police officer, this officer of the law, was murdered by, of course, Antifa or some black person, some protester. Oh, they were murdered by the right wing. Just like the two people in Kenosha that are now dead were killed by a Trumpian, a lover of guns and all things Donald Trump. The violence is far too often, and it's going to get worse, because the president's people have heeded his dark view of what is happening to their country. And they've come to protect it. Not a word is said about their violence. And their violence so outweighs any violence that has happened on the other side. A burned down building is not a human being. And while I decry the kinds of protest that result in damage. I don't think it's effective. I think it plays into the hands of Pence and Trump to further flim-flam the American public. But when it comes to carnage, it's his people, their people, who are the perpetrators. When it comes to out-and-out intimidation, it is their people. Yesterday, Bill sent me something that I had not seen. And it is indicative of the double standard of white people protesting and black people protesting. One is good and police stand back. One is very bad and dangerous and the police engage. I don't know if you're aware of what's been happening in Idaho. Why would you? <laughs> One of those big states out there that has a few people in it and 
they're almost all white. And they're almost, as far as I can tell, almost all Republicans. But this happened on Monday when the Idaho legislature was meeting to consider bills, some dealing with COVID. And all of a sudden, armed protesters, most not wearing masks, descended upon their state capitol building. Police made a slight effort to say, no, you're not allowed in there, but they... They were pushed aside. Did the police respond as they were pushed by these protesters? No. Neither did the security guards. No. A glass door was shattered. The Speaker of the House actually said he wanted to negotiate with the protesters. And that negotiation ended with the protesters and their guns and their unmasked faces being allowed into the gallery, which had been set up for social distancing. That now was swept aside. So they completely capitulated completely capitulated to a mob of rifle-carrying white people. The police, the state police, the security guards, all white, totally capitulated. Sure, come on in, come on in. Now I ask you, and you know what the question is, What would have happened if a group of black men carrying weapons had tried to shove their way in, shoved police officers, broken doors? You tell me. What would have happened? And we're seeing this. We saw it in Kenosha, too. The guy who's now charged with first-degree murder, the kid, after the murders, was walking right past, right past the cops who didn't even look at him. The cops were seen talking, exchanging, giving water to the white counter-protesters who were armed. Unarmed black men are threatening to police. Armed 
white men on a rampage are not. What does that tell you? What do your eyes tell you? And this is why I despair. This is why I fear for our country. Because this is, seems just too baked in. That just too many people, not even realizing it, some of them, have been taught for generations to fear black people. I have a call. They hung up. Okay. Callers, you got to be a little, you know, hang in there. It's my show. I'm talking. I'll leave you, you know, hang in there. So, there is no doubt that when the Republicans are trying to scare people about what's happening in the country, and they talk about the violence and the threat of violence, we know who they're talking about. And they ain't talking about these white guys in their camo and their guns. And it's these white guys who are killing people. Always has been. From the Oklahoma City bombing. It's these white people who kill. And they're trying to lay it on us. Democrats. And protesters. It's really something. Do I have a caller now or not? I don't think so. If you're there, come on in. Okay, none. Barbara says, I was driving around Washington County yesterday. I saw a lot of Trump-Pence signs, not one for you. Well, of course, you're in Washington County, Barbara. Didn't see one Biden sign. Yeah. And she says, my Biden sign disappeared from my yard overnight, didn't last even 12 hours. Yeah, I'm, she's worried. I'm, I'm, I'm beyond getting worried. I, I am frightened. I really am frightened. And I, I don't scare easily. I really don't. I've never been one who allows myself to be scared because I can't live scared. I don't know how people do that. And um, I must admit, I'm scared. In talking about how, what an abysmal job this administration has, has performed with this pandemic, which continues to kill Americans at a rate unseen in any other nation maybe one or two but those are banana republics 
Kurt sent me this. It's a compilation of the U.S. share of deaths in pandemics throughout the last hundred or so years. And we've always been pretty far down. The, the Spanish flu, 1918-19. America's share of the deaths, even though we lost so many, was just one and a half percent of the deaths worldwide. The scourge of HIV from 1981 to today, the deaths from HIV, Americans did better with that, believe it or not. We accounted for a little over 2% of the deaths. And now, and these numbers will continue to rise. We now, even though we are, what, 5% of the world population? 20, more than 22% of all people who have died are Americans. That tells you that something's amiss with our governmental response because this virus doesn't give a hoot what nationality a person is. It just wants to get in. And other nations have protected their citizens. Much, much, much more than we have. The numbers don't lie. And even as more Americans are dying and continuing to die from this, this administration continues to hamper reasonable efforts to get a handle on it. All of a sudden, the Centers for Disease Control has decided that even if you found yourself around somebody who was, in fact, infected, it doesn't mean you have to go get tested. That's their new guidelines. Are you kidding me? You see, in other countries, the way they have gotten ahead of this is exactly by paying attention to that kind of exposure. And so you would, of course, insist that somebody who had been exposed be immediately tested so you could do contact tracing. And that's how you get this under control. And Trump continues to not allow us the tools we need to save ourselves. So just as schools are opening, he's saying, no, we don't need to test. Are you kidding me? What's driving this? 
well, it's an unpleasant subject and he doesn't want these numbers going up uh, during, you know, his effort to bamboozle Americans into giving him four more years to destroy us. Anyone who knows how viruses spread is freaked by this new CDC guideline. Which is why the governors of New York, the governor of uh, California, very quickly came out and said, What the hell? We are not following these guidelines. These guidelines are not to protect Americans. They're to protect Donald Trump. Oh, dear, 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 dear. So... even know where to go. Let's start with an obit. Angela Buxton. She died. She was 85. Beautiful young woman. I'm looking at her. She's wearing a tennis outfit. And that's because she was a hell of a tennis player. Turns out, I didn't know that. She was uh, one of the better women players in the 50s. But she was considered a pariah. She was not allowed into all the elite tournaments and clubs. You know why? She was a Jew. Yeah, they didn't uh they didn't let Jews in. So she had a real problem competing and being able to train. And her mother, she was English, her mother brought her to California hoping it would be better. But uh, even though they lived very near, I guess, one of the better tennis courts, the Los Angeles Tennis Club, she was told, this is 1952, she was told, uh, no, you're a Jew, forget about it, you can't come in here. Now, just to put this in historical context, context okay, it's 52. This is after the world has seen what Jew hate led to. They've seen the crematoria. They've seen the skeletal piles. They've seen the reality. And here in America, (laughs) you can't come in here. You're a Jew. Certain people came to her aid. Charlie Chaplin let her play on his courts. Catherine Hepburn 
stop by a lot to play with her and to act as a ball boy. And then in 1956, she was, I think, 56 or 55. She was in um, India, I think, is where she first met a woman who was the number one ranked female player in the world, but who, like her, was a pariah. And that was Althea Gibson. Althea Gibson was the first black person, male or female, to win Wimbledon. She was an extraordinary tennis player. And they hooked up. And they decided to be doubles partners. These two outcasts. And in 1956, they won the French championships. And in 1956, they won Wimbledon doubles. Never mind that they couldn't go to the balls. There was a picture of them after they'd won in Paris. This white woman and black woman sitting together in the clubhouse and laughing. And of course that caused a lot of white folks to almost pass out. So I I never even heard of her, but she and Althea Gibson remained friends until the day Gibson died. And in fact, Angela Buxton helped save Althea Gibson, who called her in 1995 Gibson was living destitute in New Jersey. And she called her friend Angela Buxton and said, I'm just calling to say goodbye. As I can't, I can't anymore. And Angela Buxton said, hey, 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 hey. You just wait a minute. Don't you... Don't you do anything stupid. And Buxton wrote a letter to Tennis Week magazine describing Althea Gibson's plight, how she had no money, and she was so depressed. And money poured in from around the world. And Althea got out of her slump and she continued living until dying at the age of 76. 
in 2006. The Black Tennis Hall of Fame inducted Angela Buxton, the white Jew, into their Hall of Fame because of her support and her friendship with Althea Gibson because they both knew, as Buxton said later, when I came on the scene, the other players would not speak to Althea. Can you imagine this? Much less play with her. She was completely isolated. And I was too. So it was a good thing we found each other. Angela Buxton. And that, I've got to call her. Have I left them there too long again? Hello? Damn it. Well, I'm starting to get a reputation here, aren't I? Uh, what's happened here? Oh, okay. Um, I'm sorry. Having a few computer difficulties. What else is new? Um, Gigi says, tell Barbara, there are Biden signs in Washington County, just not as many as we'd like, but as... As a PSA, the Washington County Democratic Committee will have free yard signs to distribute from their office beginning Sunday. Okay? So, Barbara, go get yourself another one at 1 p.m. And the Peters Township School District in Washington County started classes five days a week in person on Monday. And yesterday, the first COVID case in the district was announced. I don't know. I think where people are. Is he just caller? Hello. Go ahead, please. Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 Hey, um, you were talking about Pence, which I hate to talk about. But yeah. Did you? And I didn't watch it. I just. I didn't see. No, I haven't seen anything. I, don't I just any read. Shit show, whatever you want to call. It. Yeah. But it's all pack of lies. But he sits there and says, "With the God's help." <laughs> will re-elect the president. And I'm thinking, what God? Oh, for pray to a racist <laughs> God, uh, adulterous God. I mean, we can go. The list goes on and on. And I'm thinking, he's what they used to call. They used to do diagnosis on people year a long time ago, and they call it religious mania. And it'd be right on the damn death certificate. They go nuts over religion, and they really don't believe in it. But they just have a weird obsession with it, and they twist it to whatever fits their agenda. And that's what Mike Pence is. He is not a real Christian, if he thinks he is, but he's not. He's on the wrong side of things. And he's right. With God's help, we will. We are on the good side. He's on the evil side. We will defeat evil, and they'll be gone. Because that anything they do is evil. It's it, You look all around, immigrants, kids dying, black men dying in the street. I mean, everything they do is evil. So don't bring God into it, pets, because you're the furthest thing from God. 
That's how I feel about it. If you're going to bring up religion, please just practice what you preach. Yeah. He seems, that guy's, I couldn't stand to be around him, staying around him even. He just... Well, that was his, uh, that was his effort to, uh, you know, position himself. He wants to run in 2024. Oh, I know. As you know, if we even have a functioning democracy at that point. Um, yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yep. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. And in, um, I was saying, speaking of sports, this um the nba um is is really astonishing it's amazing i'm proud of the milwaukee bucks i'm proud of the other teams for stepping up as well um i had played for you some of what doc rivers said yesterday and his team also stood down even though they're in the running to win this uh this season but the reality is is that the teams that are potentially going to win it all have said that they could well not play again this year they're willing to give it all up Um, that is pretty amazing. And then, of course, the WNBA stepping up. And then the Milwaukee Brewers stepping up. And it is, you know, part of me is just so proud of these, of these young men. They're young Um, here's what, let me see who's, who said this, uh, one of the Bucks players, George Hill, he said, when we take the court and represent Milwaukee and represent Wisconsin, we are expected to play at a high level, give maximum effort and hold each other accountable. And we hold ourselves to that standard. And in this moment, we are demanding that same standard from law enforcement and from lawmakers. And he went on to call the Wisconsin State Legislature to take up meaningful measures to address police accountability and criminal justice reform, which given the fact that the the state legislature in Wisconsin is filled with uh, Trumpians, of course, will not happen. It is conceivable that the NBA will cancel the rest of their postseason. Um, they held a meeting, the coaches and the, um, and the players, and um, the L.A. Lakers and the L.A. Clippers, two of the top contenders, actually in that meeting yesterday voted against finishing the rest of the season. Two teams who could win it all saying, 
we think we shouldn't play the rest of the season. However, a majority of the teams wanted to pick it up again, continue it. The Board of Governors of the NBA is meeting at 11 today, seeing if they can salvage the playoffs. Um, I here's what the uh, the vice president of the Bucks and uh, he's the owner's son, a guy named Alex Lassery <clears throat> of the Bucks, said this: Some things are bigger than basketball. The stand that players took today shows that we are fed up. Enough is enough. Change needs to happen. I'm incredibly proud of our guys. And we stand 100% behind our players, ready to assist and bring about real change. Do you know how insane the white sports fans are going to be if the players finally realize their power? This is a general strike. And I know some of the players have been calling for a general strike by all black workers. Black people hold this economy up. I don't know. Can you imagine football doing such a thing? Can you? Can you imagine? I I can't. It's a whole different reality, football. Think of the people who think that these unbelievably talented black men and women are there to entertain them with that talent. Shut up and dribble. Shut up and shoot. Shut up and, yeah, catch a pass. Shut up so that we can scream and yell and pretend to support you as you carry our colors. Doc Rivers said, it's amazing why we keep loving this country and this country does not love us back. So, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me thinks, oh boy, this is going to make more fodder for Trump. Who knows? I don't know. 
Okay, a few things. A letter to the editor of the New York Times, written by a woman named Kelly Harcourt, writing from Davis, California. And she says this, in her speech at the GOP convention, Natalie Harp, a cancer survivor, made reference to the film It's a Wonderful Life. And she compared Donald Trump to the main character in the film, George Bailey, who was played by my father, Jimmy Stewart. Given that this beloved American classic is about decency, compassion, sacrifice, and a fight against corruption, our family considers her analogy to be the height of hypocrisy and dishonesty. And something wonderful, if you pick up a New York Times today, an actual copy, (laughs) print, or a Washington Post, the back page of the front section, which is a big, you know, that's a big placement, is an ad. It's a full page ad. And the middle of it is this picture. And it looks like one of those pictures of a television show uh, legal drama. So it's got the chief lawyer and then the other lawyers in the firm. They're all dressed and they got this look on their face like, I'm going to get justice for you. It looks like, yeah. So this is an ad for this law firm. And you see that the law firm, oh, you recognize the first, the actor. I mean, the actor. You recognize the lawyer. It's Trevor Noah. And the rest of his cast. And it's Trevor, Noah, and associates and sons, presidential attorneys. And it asks the question right at the top, are you a soon-to-be ex-president about to lose legal immunity? Has your lawyer gone to jail? Call the very fine people on your side. Yes, Trevor Noah and Associates and Sons, presidential attorneys. Man, you look at them, they look like, yeah, these are the guys you want. We can defend you against, it says, corruption, emoluments, we know what that is, shady rich guy tax stuff, obstruction of justice, and we'll only charge the same price for multiple accounts. Counts. We'll get you off. And you won't even have to pay us $130,000. Just call 
White House Crime, W-H-C-R-I-M-E. That's 1-210-942-7463. And down at the bottom, No Habla Español. It's a wonder. Look it up. It is. God, thank you for that. You know, we need a we need a laugh here and there. <laughs> oh dear. So what else I got here? The New York Times. Um printed a page of Republicans that are voting for Biden, that have said they're voting for Biden. And it's it's pretty impressive. And these are Republicans who have held big offices. So it's, you know, like former Senator Jeff Flake and John Kasich and Colin Powell, Christine Todd Whitman, and Congresswoman Susan Molinari and Carly Fiorina. And there's three, uh, three Republican Congress people, former Charlie Dent, William Klinger, and Mickey, uh, no, and Jim Greenwood. And then there's just a ton of, yeah, former Republican Congress people, Jim Leach, Connie Morella, Mike Parker, Jack Quinn, Claudine Schneider, Christopher Shays, Peter Smith, Alan Steelman, Jim Walsh, Bill Whitehurst, Dick Zimmer, some senators, Gordon Humphrey, John Warner. And over 70 national security officials that served under Biden. I mean, under uh, Republicans. People have said they will not vote for Trump, but they haven't said they'll vote for Biden, Mitt Romney, Cindy McCain, George Bush, Phil Scott, John Bolton. But you know what? None of that means anything if these guys are going to continue to terrify the American people and tell them that if Trump loses, it's been rigged. And you see that these, how many of his supporters are already armed and ready to jump in and ready to use that weaponry. And we've seen how police look the other way when they do, or when they try to intimidate or threaten, as they've been doing in Portland. The cops do nothing. Did you see what Tucker Carlson said? And this, again, this is is one of the first things I saw when I woke up this morning, and I'm thinking, this is what, I mean, this terrifies me. Because you see that they are willing to foment violence. And they are willing to paint these perpetrators of violence, the white guys, as heroes, not as murderers. 
as patriots, not as murderers. And Tucker Carlson, he's got the highest rated show, I think, now on Fox. He said this to his audience last night. How shocked are we that 17-year-olds with rifles decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? Stop and think about that. This 17-year-old, Tucker Carlson, says that they had to maintain order. two people. No other guns were were shot. There was that was a peaceful march and he blew two people away because he had the same idea that Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump and all of them have that we got to stop these black people. And they've learned you stop black people by shooting them. Nothing happens. You just shoot them. That Fox allows people spreading this stuff on their air is just unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So there was no condemnation of these murders. How shocked are we that 17-year-olds decided they had to maintain order when no one else would? Reminds me of that famous quote from former Chicago mayor Richard Daley during the 68 Democratic Convention where the all hell broke loose and a lot of people said the, most of the hell was the result of the police response and Richard Daley and said famously I hope I get this right the police are not there Wait, the police, I always get this wrong, the police, the police are not there to create disorder, they're there to preserve disorder. Is that what he said? Something like that. Anyway, he inadvertently uh, said something that actually did uh, make some sense. <laughs> oh, this is great. Someone just sent me this, Ed. Kenosha police chief blames protesters for their own deaths. Oh. Oh, dear. Well, I can't open that, so I don't know. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Yeah. It's really something. I want to say that as we go forward... 
we have to, and I hope, that the protesters get smart and don't play into the hands of Trump. He wants there to be trouble. He wants there to be broken windows and fire set and rioting. He wants there to be like these idiots in Washington, D.C. the other night who for some reason thought it was helpful to like just scream at and accost diners at sitting outside some sidewalk, forcing them to put their fists up in the air, um, not knowing if they were support. In fact, almost all of them said they were supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement. But what is the these protesters have to be smart because there will be efforts to provoke them into violence so that Donald will get the pictures he wants. You can't let them do it. And there will be infiltrators who, as there were in, uh, in Portland and Seattle and Minneapolis, who start the breaking of windows. They're all right people pretending to be protesters. And we, there has to be the ability to not give these guys any ammo. They got plenty because they make anything up that they need. We don't need to help in that effort. And I hope the especially younger protesters understand the bigger picture in that regard. To channel John Lewis, get yourself in good trouble. To channel Dr. King, it's harder. It's harder to maintain that control when you are so understandably enraged and provoked. But this is a fight, literally for our future. I mean, there is no doubt for our nation if it is going to survive. And we're battling an enemy that controls the government, that has tons of media outlets spewing out its propaganda, that has the Russians spreading propaganda and disinformation, that is trying to suppress the vote in any way that they can, And we need to turn out in such numbers that we somehow overwhelm all of their efforts. And even then, even then, they probably will not stop. So... Thank <sighs> you.
guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I can't. What can I do? Um, what can I do? I'm seeing if we got a COVID update. Yeah, we do. Uh, it's up a bit again, but at least we're still in double digits. 61 new cases in the last 24 hours. One new death. Women continue to be most of the cases. Uh, I don't know why that is. Um, wait, I've got the link from this damn police chief. Uh... Well, I'm sorry. I, I okay. Um, all right. Keep your heads together. Keep yourselves together. God help us all. God help the people down there in Louisiana, in California, in Kenosha, and all over this land that's clearly so well governed by Donald Trump and his Republicans. See you Monday. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host, and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.